Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, show number 49. I do have to say something about this. The design, we talked about the you know, aesthetics and methods of make and you know efficient manufacturing. This is the opposite of that. This is solving something that somebody can make today, do it yourself, in your house, with what you have. <laughs> Welcome to a real-world MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, where entrepreneurs reveal what it really takes to make it. Whether you're already in business or you're on your way there, this show is for you. This is Bigger Pockets Business. How's it going, everybody? I am Jay Scott. I am your co-host for the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast here again this week with my wonderful co-host, Mrs. Carol Scott. How's it going today, Carol? Doing okay. You know, in light of everything that's going on right now, of course, my heart is a little heavy. There are so many things that are unknown, but... I must say each and every day, I get more and more hopeful, right? There are so many wonderful, amazing people out there every day, just rallying, working together to try and make everybody's lives a little bit better, right? We are very fortunate, very grateful for all the people who are out there, for the healthcare workers, for people who are the essential workers continuing to be out there putting stuff together, being innovative, being creative, doing what needs to be done. And just thank you to each and every one of you. Because of all of you, I'm very confident that there are better days ahead. Absolutely. And we have a wonderful person here today with us, somebody who's doing a whole lot of social good. Her name is Stephanie Howard. She's an industrial designer by uh, background and trade. She'll tell us all about what it means to be an industrial designer. But basically, she is using her expertise, her experience, her network, her skills to rally a group of other industrial designers, as well as just people around the country and around the world to improve the situation we're in today. A lot of us know that with this coronavirus epidemic, there is a shortage of things we call PPE, personal protection equipment, a shortage of masks and respirators and face shields and ventilators, things like that. And basically, Stephanie is leading the charge on figuring out how we can use everyday materials to create these personal protection devices that are allowing people who are stuck in their home with sick people, people that are quarantining and trying to protect themselves and their loved ones, how they can create these these personal protection devices using everyday materials. So she's doing some amazing amazing great stuff. And today she's going to talk all about uh, her company, which is called How and Wide. And she's going to talk about how she kind of got into focusing on the social good and helping the whole world through this coronavirus crisis. If you want to find out more about Stephanie, if you want to find out more about what we're talking about, check out our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash bizshow49. Again, that's biggerpockets.com slash bizshow49. Now, before we jump into our conversation with Stephanie, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Can I tell you about my new favorite app? It's called Blinkist, and it's my secret weapon for learning new things and keeping myself educated. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, all the essential need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. People always ask me, how do you stay up to date on all the topics you write and speak about? How do you have time to prepare for your interviews with all the authors you have on your podcast? Blinkist is the answer. I listen to Blinkist in the car, when making dinner, and even have it playing in the background when I'm in the shower getting ready to start my day. By the way, 
the latest book I've listened to on Blinkist is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. If you haven't read or listened to it, I highly recommend it. Now, if you haven't already done it, you have to download Blinkist. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com BPB and try it for free for seven days. You'll even get 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash B-P-B to start your free seven-day trial. And don't forget, you'll also save 25%, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash B-P-B. Are you familiar with Tresta? You should be. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere with no hardware, just the smartphone you're already using. Tresta allows you to add local and toll-free numbers with tons of call management features that empower you to communicate smarter and more efficiently. This is the best business phone app on the market, whether you're a real estate investor, small business owner, or entrepreneur. Growing your business is all about networking and communication, so it's important that you're always available. If you've been carrying around a second smartphone, if you're chained to your desk, or worse, if you're giving out your personal number to anyone and everyone who you do business with, then you should give Tresta a try. Tresta is easy to configure, so you can set everything up yourself, all online. Tresta has got all the features you need to give a professional impression for your business, like call recording, auto attendance, user groups, and more, all included. There's no contract, and you don't need any special equipment, just the smartphone you're already using. The best part is, it's just $15 per user per month, plus Tresta is offering a 30-day free trial, so you can see if it's right for you. This is such a money saver, we know you're going to love it. Start your free trial now at Tresta.com slash BiggerPockets. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com slash BiggerPockets. All one word, Tresta.com slash BiggerPockets. Thank you so much to our awesome sponsor. Okay, now, without any further ado, let's jump into our discussion with Stephanie Howard. How are you doing today, Stephanie? I'm doing well, thanks. And you? Doing great. Thank you so much for being here. We are so looking forward, Stephanie, to chatting with you today. You have such an amazing story, and you are working on such an impactful and important project right now, and I know our audience is going to be really excited about it, uh, looking forward to digging in and learning more about what that is throughout this unprecedented time in our society. So thank you again for being here with us. Thank you for having me. So, Steph, let's set a little bit of context. Your current company is called How and Why. Can you let us know, talk to us more about what is How and Why? Yes. So I started this company in 2010. It's a design consultancy. Uh, I do a lot of work with companies and brands, uh, a lot of the sporting goods space, because my background is in that space. What I do is help companies with their innovation planning. So that's anything from gathering insights to creating an entire uh, innovation roadmap, working with their teams, doing product uh, workshops, so that everybody's involved in thinking about the innovation um, pipeline for the company. But I also do uh, product design all the way from, you know, sketching and drawing and thinking about the needs of, you know, methods of make and new ways of uh, manufacturing, new types of materials, uh, all the way to um, creative direction for a team. 
And I also help um, establish and implement some of the programs uh, that they're working on within the brands. Excellent. Excellent. So what brought you to the point to start How and Why back in 2010? What is more of your background, your backstory that led you to where you are now with this company? Yes. So I um, studied industrial design at school. Uh, most people might not know what industrial design is. It's it's really product design. So it's anything from, uh, we, we I say there's a sort of a triad of important things when you're thinking about product design. It's uh, insights into the user experience, how somebody works with a product. It's also the way it's going to be made, how it's manufactured, cost restrictions, materials. Um, and then last, when people think of the word design, they think about aesthetics and of course, you know, what it looks like and how it functions. So once all all of those are put together. That's uh, what we learn uh, as industrial designers, and we uh, put into practice in our work. So, so basic. So, so basically, mm-hmm. when we see products that are cool, that are designed well, efficient, functional, that we say, "Wow, why didn't I think of that?" That's kind of what <laughs> what you guys do. Exactly. Yes. And so, after I graduated uh, with a degree in d- industrial design, I started my career at New Balance. So went right into the footwear industry, learned a lot about um, athletes and insights in biomechanics and spent, I think, a little over three years there. And in that short time, I actually worked my way into the position of lead designer. So I was uh, not just working on designing the products, but also thinking about the brand and the design language and how to work with the team to make sure that we had um, some cohesive thinking around how we did product design. So just to give a a little bit more in-depth, what kind of, of innovations happen in the footwear space. I, I know like we hear all about, like we see aesthetically uh, footwear mm-hmm. changing, but what, what kinds of actual um, efficiencies or improvements in footwear like uh, are actually happening these days? Well, these days, so back way back when it was very different and a lot of the innovation was happening around, I guess all of the innovation is around methods of make. It's just that nowadays um, there's a lot of new technologies involved in how we can produce materials. So that's anything from 3D printing to working with making materials from nature you know, and, and sort of growing materials. So it's a, it's a very vast range of what's happening nowadays um, that didn't, none of that was around back then. Got it. So, so a lot of mm-hmm. your expertise and a lot of the work you've done has actually been in the manufacturing space, creating or, or innovating around the, the manufacturing of products. Yeah. So when I talk about innovation, and I know that's a broad word for many people, what I spend a lot of time thinking about is how we will make things differently. Um, sometimes it's about manufacturing. Sometimes it is about solving a problem that, you know, people have, you know, a usability problem or just maybe some white space where there's nothing that exists um, that's, you know, meeting the needs that people are looking for. And, and it's not easy to assess what those needs are. So a lot of what I do is also working on gathering insights and um, going into people's homes and, uh, you know, traveling to different spaces, talking to thought leaders to try to figure out what's on the emerging future and how we might implement some of those 
changes into how we think about design. And so I refer to those um, social and cultural changes that are happening as macro trends. And so it's a little bit different than seasonal trends and fashion trends, you know, with colors changing and, you know, materials uh, trending that, you know, we think about in fashion. Macro trends are more of, you know, how is the world changing. I mean, I guess we can think about today. There's some big shifts in probably how people are thinking about macro trends now than what we were thinking about a month ago, if you will. Fantastic. Thanks for giving us more information about that. So you're at New Balance. And then Mm -hmm. what happened after that? Yep. After I left New Balance, I spent a couple of years at Reebok. And uh, then I moved to Nike. And um, it's worth talking about Nike for a little while because I think it's really where a lot of my thinking about design changed because of their understanding there of the power of design to move people and how to, I talked about insights a few minutes ago, how to glean insights and really understand uh, what the missing pieces are and put some new thinking towards that. So uh, I spent six years at Nike, a couple in the footwear design group in running. And I had a focus specifically on women's running. And that was the first time that they were thinking about women's running differently than men's. Um, it used to be that, you know, the, the same models would be for both and they would just do different colors. And the, the words used to be pink it and shrink it for women's. <laughs> um, but they, they knew that there would be some insights that we could glean from talking to people and understanding that there were some differences. And so out of that uh, one of the products that I created was the uh, Air Max Verona, which came for, out of the insights that uh, the this was back in 2000 that we were designing it. Um, I think it came out in 2001, but the world was changing because everything was uh, being being able to be more mobile because we had mobile phones and we had um, the internet and we had laptops and all of that was changing. And so people in their mobile culture, suddenly we were on the move and we, you know, needed footwear that sort of worked from day to night to our workouts. And so the insights from that study uh, was uh, that the difference between men and women, not just with fit and some biomechanics, but was um, safety and time. So the time famine was something that we noted with this new mobile culture. Everybody was feeling a little bit more stressed because there was just so much to do. And uh, safety was an issue that women runners were feeling different from men because um, if we're running alone on a trail, even if it's a trail where we might pass other people, um, we're still feeling a little bit more vulnerable. So we designed a safety whistle to be stored in the little pocket of the shoe and it could be worn around your wrist when you're running just so you knew that you could sort of make make a noise if you ever were in that situation where you needed to. Very cool. And I love how all of these decisions in all of these innovations and designs, like you're talking about now, really focus on insights as far as these macro trends that are happening with big shifts in society, shifts in the way we live. Like you talk about at that time, people were becoming more mobile. There was more of a sense of urgency. People were more stressed out. So it sounds like every step of the way, you've been very, very much in tune with paying attention to what is going on for the greater or good, not just in one specific industry, but Mm -hmm. kind of throughout society as a whole, right? So that's kind of neat. 
Yeah, a lot yes. of time. A lot of times, I think we think about industrial design as making things cooler and making things more aesthetically pleasing. And those are the things that that I guess get publicity. Everybody sees the Facebook post with this really cool new product or this new cool design of an existing product. But just as importantly, if not a whole lot more importantly, is actually solving problems, solving real yes. problems, and using industrial design to change products or to create products that solve the issues that everybody is having when they're using these products. So a lot of times, we don't even realize that we're having these products. You solve these these problems that a lot of us don't even realize, and we just take it for granted that, oh, life's just easy. And it's right. not, it, life's not just easy. It's that, that these industrial designers are out there thinking about these problems that we haven't even considered and they're making things easy before we even realize that they're hard. Yes, that is, I, I love that uh, definition of it because it's, it is true. It's, it's sometimes it's hard to explain and especially with the wording industrial design. I mean, there's no way anybody's going to pick that up out of it, but it is, uh, yeah, it's what we do every day. So fast forward a couple years and you started How and Why. Tell us a little bit about what led you to start your own design firm and what was your focus there? I mean, did you stick with footwear or did you kind of branch out into other industries? What is what is how and why? How did it start and, and what does it become today? Sure. Well, there was a big uh, zag that I took just before how and why after I worked at Nike and running. And then I was also in their hockey division. I was the creative director of Bauer and Nike Hockey. Right after that, I went to seventh generation. So if you see the trajectory of my career, it was all in the sporting goods space. And then suddenly I was at a company that was all about sort of business for social responsibility. And they make consumer packaged goods, everything from laundry detergent to diapers. And it seemed like a big zag and people might question why. <laughs> and um, But it was part of the journey to get to how and why. Um, and that is because I, you know, I was really looking to do something that you know worked with social responsibility in design. And as much as I was learning and loving the work I was doing at Nike, I was interested to see where else I could sort of span my thinking to other types of products. And um, so an opportunity at Seventh Generation came up to run their innovation and so I did some work there. And I think that really broadened my horizons in a way on both how to uh, glean even more insights in, with different types of users, you know, going into people's homes and talking to new moms about diapers and their concerns about their children and chemicals and, you know, sustainability and, and all of those things. And so that was just a really great time for me to uh, start to understand uh, sort of the breadth of where really good insights can take you and, you know, just got me interested in, in doing more of that type of work. And so in 2010, I decided to, you know, sort of leave seventh generation and launch how and why I was getting a lot of uh, calls from my network on, uh, you know, with some interesting jobs in, you know, a lot of it in sporting goods and, and um, you know, places that I've worked before. And I thought, I didn't really want to go inside of these corporations anymore. I thought it would be interesting to do this from sort of a broader perspective from the outside and where I could maybe be a little bit more useful uh, because some of this new thinking and ideas around macro trends could be 
or sometimes just listened to in a different way if you're coming from the outside of a company than inside. And so that's where, when I started How and Why, and, you know, it started off, I had, you know, sort of one long-term client that was New Balance. So I sort of come full circle (laughs) and uh, did a lot of work with them. And then I started to broaden uh, the client base. And I have a few clients who are, I like to keep long-term relationships if I can with clients, because we're not just, you know, doing one-off projects. We're trying to sort of build these innovation pipelines. So I like to work either as an ad hoc sort of innovation department for some of my clients that are smaller or um, with their innovation teams for some. So uh, for example, VF Corp is a company that owns Timberland, the North Face and Vans, and um, they have a full innovation team. So I'll work with that team on um, projects that they are you know, needing some extra insight or, you know, maybe leadership from my background. And I'm working with a a small group right now of um, outdoor brands that um, are looking to start to build an innovation program. They didn't have much of a structure for that. So I've come in, worked with their teams, done some innovation workshops, and uh, we're building the basically a roadmap of uh, innovation projects. And that work's been really interesting because uh, one of these big macro trends I was mentioning, um, you know, is really about sustainability. And there's so much complexity to sustainability these days. And a lot of companies that are smaller with smaller teams don't want to, or maybe don't, it's not that they don't want to, they just don't know where to start. And so it's not on their agenda when I come into a meeting. And so I will bring that, I, I, you know, I've said before, it's, it's irresponsible of me not to bring up the fact that, you know, it's really important to think about sustainability. And it's finally, we're in a space where, you know, people actually care um, and are willing to put their money behind it. Uh, you know, it's a great place to start with new companies, to you know, kind of give them that background and say, hey, we're going to take some baby steps on this journey. It's not that you can get there right away. It's very complex, but you know, you need to start now. Excellent. So it really sounds like throughout every step of your journey, when you started in school, these companies you worked with, you've had a focus on wearables. You've had a focus on how people live, how people interact with each other. You've had a focus on these macro trends, looking where society's going, looking how society is changing, focusing on sustainability. And it looks like you've really you've really encompassed all of those things on different levels in a very rounded, holistic approach over the past several years. So now you're working on, bring that to the present day, right now with this coronavirus health crisis that we're dealing with, you're working on something that is, it takes all of the best of those things that you've been doing for all of these years and channeling that energy into something new. Before we talk about exactly what that is though, I would love for our audience to get an understanding of, of this is something that is really, it's taking all those pieces, like I said, and it's channeled into the healthcare space. So can you Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about how, that became a focus and something that was top of mind for you, being able to round out your experience with something healthcare related. Sure. There's a, there's a couple things here. A while back in my early 20s, I actually had a, a brush with cancer and some major surgery. I, you know, it really changed my perspective on what I wanted to accomplish in life. And, you know, bringing that something that happened so long ago to present day, 
I, you know, I think it's part of why my perspective on taking what I can do uh, in terms of what my expertise and skills and bringing that to something that can help a lot more people and make a big difference in life. That's something that's really important to me. But also um, given specifically to coronavirus and what's happening now, I had uh, a pretty major experience a couple years ago uh, helping my mother who went through a major health crisis. And, um, you know, she was spent a long time in the ICU at Mass General Hospital. And the whole illness lasted about, uh, you know, from illness to rehab was about six months of every day me spending time with her, going to the hospital and understanding what was going on in the hospital environment. And add that to uh, recently where she had a flu and was in the hospital again. And uh, I got to really experience all the different types of what they call PPE, personal protective equipment that the healthcare workers wear when somebody has something that's, uh, you know, an infection related. And so I've spent so much time putting on gowns, putting on gloves, putting on masks and, um, and really thinking about how to protect myself so that I don't then bring that home. And, you know, if I, when I was staying at my mom's house, if I was to, you know, spread that to my father and all of these things that we're worrying about today with this, uh, you know, the issue with coronavirus. And so I started thinking about what's going to happen if my parents get sick. And it led me to think I need to have a face shield. I don't have a face shield. And I have a very good friend at uh, Mass General who uh, was talking to my husband and I, and um, we learned that there's this shortage. And now it's, it's hitting the news that there's a shortage of um, all types of PPE gear. But definitely the face shields are one of the, the, the biggest shortage or maybe the, the soonest to come in terms of the need. And... Um, so I, I, you know, I was thinking about how if I go home and my mom's sick, I don't want to give it to my dad. Then my dad's immunocompromised. Um, I, you know, my mom has been weakened by all the things that's gone on with her. And, um, and they have, I have to just add, they haven't exactly been staying isolated. They each, my mom's a therapist, so she's been seeing all her patients. And my father's an accountant and certified financial planner, so he's been seeing all his clients. I finally got them to stop. But what I needed to to do was come up with a plan in case they get sick. So I started to design something and I was drawing it up and then realized nobody knows they need a face shield or at least very few people, right? There's all this talk about masks and the face, you know, the part that goes over your nose and mouth. And yes, there's a shortage there. And yes, we need those also. But if you're dealing with somebody in your home today that starts to cough and probably has the coronavirus, you know, that's airborne and it's your mucous membranes that you want to protect. So that's your eyes and your face and you want to, um, you want to protect it with the face shield. So I started to think about what can I design? I can't really get out to a lot of stores. What can I order? And did some drawings, posted it and said, oh, this is, or actually didn't just post it right away. I thought this should be posted because I don't think people know about this, that they might want to think about having these at home. And then people in my network, you know, so this is on Instagram. And so people, you know, in the design community and, and elsewhere started sending me, well, look what this person's doing and look what this person's doing. And I realized that there's a lot of people doing starting to think about the same thing in the design space and they're trying to solve for the healthcare workers because there's the shortage there. So there's two different things that 
sort of I'm involved with that came out of this. And one is trying to help people at home, A, get out the message that they're going to need a face shield if somebody's coughing a lot and they're trying to take care of them and how they can build that face shield with very simply with things they can find in their home or things that they can easily get, you know, an order, whether it's Amazon or from their local hardware store. So that's one side of this. And this is, I do have to say something about this, the design, we talked about the you know, aesthetics and methods of make and, you know, efficient manufacturing. This is the opposite of that. This is solving something that somebody can make today, do it yourself in your house with what you have. <laughs> and at, but on the other side of that is the, the search to quickly manufacture something for the shortage that's existing in hospitals. So there's a, a large group of people all a little bit disparate right now. And so there's some people that have come together and I'm helping to introduce the groups that I'm learning about together that are really just jumping right into mass manufacture. So these are maker spaces. So you, you might've heard these people, you know, they, there's people doing 3D printing versions. There's other people doing sort of what's called CNC cutting, laser cutting and assembling of parts. There's a lot of complexities because you need it to be in a clean environment and the uh, material supply needs to be uh, reliable. And so you know, there's people reaching out to the companies that are making, you know, acetate film or PTGE film and whatever is used in the 3D printers for the resin. So it's a lot of a lot of challenges. There's a lot of people working on that. So I'm trying to stay, keep my focus on the um, do-it-yourself face shield at home and helping coordinate anybody that I'm, you know, seeing working on the made for hospitals. I absolutely love this, Stephanie. So it sounds like you, as well as many other people throughout the design community, are really tapping into their expertise, are really looking at, yes, there are a lot of other projects we have on our plates right now, but this whole issue is a much bigger issue for society. Let's put aside what we're able to put aside right now and really focus our energy and all those things we're really good at into solving these problems for both people at home, like you're talking about for the do-it-yourself, as well as on a much more mass level, right? So I think that's a, just, I think it's a really powerful message. So major kudos to you in your network of all these people in these different industries for looking at this on such a big level. I think it sets such a great example for all of us right now, right? All of us as entrepreneurs, as small business owners, as just smart, resourceful people. It's really our opportunity during this time when things are are really uneasy, are really very much unknown to, to tap into our networks, to tap into our expertise, to tap into those resources that we have and see how we can contribute to the greater good. And it's a really nice time for like all those mission-based things to come really front and center. So yes. I would I would love to tap a little bit more, dig a little bit deeper into each of those two things. So I'm very curious, you mentioned about the do-it-yourself face shield, for example, which mm -hmm. heaven forbid, any one of us us could potentially need to care for somebody during this crisis in our home. So since you posted the challenge, I heard you mm -hmm. mention something about plastic sheets or something and the simplicity mm -hmm. of it. So what types of materials are we talking about? You'd mentioned things you can go grab on Amazon or Home Depot. What mm -hmm. like are these basic level type of materials that people are submitting? This is fascinating. Yes. 
Yes. So we spent, my husband and I, my husband is also an industrial designer. His name is Ben. And uh, he and I this weekend spent some time building some protos, prototypes of these ideas. And so he was able to order from our local art store a roll of acetate. But you can also find acetate in transparency films uh, that teachers use. So, you know, I think there's potentially a Staples connection or, you know, office supply store connection there. I was thinking, you know, what if somebody had the most immediate need? In other words, somebody starts coughing today and they can't go out and order from Home Depot and get or to their art store and get some of these rolls of plastics. So I did a one that I'll post on this site with the hashtag DIY face shield. I will be, so I I made one and it's, (laughs) there's no beauty involved here with rolling up washcloths and two binder clips, a regular rubber band elastic and a Ziploc bag. And, you know, if you keep enough space with those washcloths across, you know, around your forehead to, you know, bring that Ziploc bag, you know, a, a forward from your face. So you're not risking some sort of suffocation. Plus it's not going around your whole head. You're not putting a bag over your head. It's just shielding across your face to make sure you're protecting your eyes. Um, so I made, uh, you know, and so that's what we're doing. We, you know, I took some photographs of here's the exact materials that we use laid out. And then here's the final product. And so I think, you know, probably a lot of people have paper clips or tape. They could, I mean, I use binder clips. Somebody could use tape, a Ziploc bag that they cut and washcloths rolled up. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, and an elastic, hopefully some people have elastic bands, maybe hair bands, headbands, and there's multiple things, but we use just like a rubber band. So we're just trying to think of the, the simplest ways to do this. If you have access and you can order foam, um, my husband decided, you know, weather stripping is available in almost all hardware stores. And, or some people might have that in their homes because they might, you know, protect their, you know, especially in cold environments where they're protecting their windows from uh, cool drafts. So we bought weather stripping and made uh, some prototypes with that. So we tried to use just basic, really basic materials that hopefully people won't go out and hoard now that I said this. <laughs> but, uh, but I think that's, that's really the key is um, if people make a bunch of different options and put them online, then what that allows everyone to do is see, oh, well, I don't have the transparency sheet, but I do have a Ziploc bag or somebody might have another idea or, you know, a uh, if you can create a mask that goes over your nose and mouth and you have shop glasses that sort of cover the the sides of your eyes, not just the front of your eyes, then you can, you know, you can do that too. And you've pretty much protected yourself. So I think it's up to, um, well, what I'm hoping that this design challenge um, that I've created does is get people to um, just post anything they can think of so that anybody who goes to this can say, oh, well, I don't have that, but I do have this. I better make this today. And if, you know, if if you can plan ahead, great, then you can order some materials and start making it. But if you're, you know, experiencing somebody yesterday that started coughing and you have to go in the room and, you know, and help them, especially with an elderly parent, you know, I mean, they, they might need help getting up, you know, they're going to be weakened if they have a flu, you know, a, a a fever, right? So they, you know, my mom needs help getting up and down off the bed if that happens. So uh, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of close contact that caregivers are giving at home. And people really do need to stay at home unless they're in an emergency state so that the hospitals don't become overwhelmed. So emergency state, from what I understand, is trouble breathing, things like that. But if you're just feeling feverish 
and you have some coughing, then, you know, you're better off at home, uh, but somebody might have to help you. I, I absolutely love this because, I mean, we hear a lot these days in the news about these billion dollar companies retooling their manufacturing plants and their 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 production lines to create more masks or to create things yes. for widespread use by hospitals, first responders, emergency workers. Um, we've heard about in Italy, companies that have been 3D printing respirator materials. So they don't have enough respirators because there are certain components that that aren't prevalent enough and they've literally been 3D printing those. And so we've heard a lot about that in the news recently. But what we don't hear about is we don't hear about people like you and me and the 350 other million Americans and, and 6 billion other people on this planet that don't necessarily have access to those things that are being produced. And so a lot of us, like you said, it could be that today everything's fine. We're not thinking about it. But tomorrow, somebody in your family starts coughing, somebody in your family gets a fever, and you realize, I may need to take precautions right now. I can't go and order something on Amazon that'll get here in three weeks. I can't uh, necessarily go to the store that might be closed and just buy something. And so instead of just saying, oh, I guess I'm, I'm out of luck, it's, hey, what can we do to makeshift this stuff for ourselves in a way that is not only efficient and inexpensive because a lot of us can't afford to spend a thousand dollars on on face shields, um, but is also functional. And it, it sounds like you've thought about a lot of those things that I wouldn't necessarily think about, like uh, covering your eyes and around the sides of your head. A lot of us don't think about that. We think about the 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 N95 masks that cover our nose and mouths, but a lot of us don't think about our eyes. A lot of us don't think about those other places where a virus or, or another uh, contagion could potentially penetrate. And so this community of industrial designers coming together and basically saying, not only are we going to design something that works, but we're going to design something that allows other people in the comfort of their own home without necessarily access to great materials to do the same thing. And that's just, that's amazing. And I know I just kind of went on for a long time there. Um, but I just, I, I, I love that. And it's just an example of how we're all coming together right now to help each other. Can you tell us a little bit more about where, so let's say I needed a face mask right now. Um, where can I go to see these designs, to get some ideas? Where, where can the people that are listening actually go, if we're not industrial designers ourselves, to see what people mm -hmm. like you and, and your team and, and others in the industry are, are designing? Yes. Um, I, I think there's, there's probably multiple places that things are popping up these days. The one that I'm trying to direct people to is um, on Instagram to have anybody post these ideas uh, with the hashtag DIY face shield. And that's uh, DIY for do it yourself. Um, and, you know, there's been people, I've noticed it's a global thing. There's, you know, I've, I think I saw somebody, you know, from Thailand and Philippines. So people are doing this. It's not just me starting some sort of movement. I mean, people need these, uh, these ideas. And it's also, it's open. It's, it's, this is not for industrial designers. I put a design challenge out, um, on my website because I just needed to sort of write out what that design brief is and explain what this this is. So on my website, it's uh, www.howandwhy.biz, B-I-Z, slash design dash challenge. And uh, that gives you a brief. If you're interested in 
sort of the the background of what you know what we're looking for people to submit that's that's the background information it also has the uh, a pdf from the cdc on how they uh, wear and remove all of the ppe gear you can definitely find that on the cdc site i took their pdf and i just included it here so people could see it along with the design brief but ultimately it's for designers and non-designers alike anybody who has an idea to to do this um you know should be posting and i said that you know this is a lot of people do design challenges and uh, you know on instagram it's a thing and there's the you know the the person sponsoring it will kind of post the best ones that's not what i'm doing here i'm sending it to a hashtag i'm just saying everybody and anybody and other people are already on this hashtag like please if you have an idea send it here try to get the word out that if you're looking for ideas and you need something today and you're at home this is the place to go to see what you might be able to build right now or if you know you can plan ahead great you know build today for if it happens in a week from now so face shield sounds like it it's one of the big challenges these days for obvious mm-hmm. reasons um are there other uh, examples of ppes that uh, that industrial designers um, are trying to help average americans yeah. uh, tackle as well there's a lot going on with face masks and, and people sewing and i don't have it here can maybe i can send it to you if you do some kind of show notes or something that we could add later. Um, There's, I know there's a wiki with a explanation of a pattern for how to, to, you know, cut fabric of your own and, you know, stitch your own face mask. And there's definitely a lot of designers. So this is not just industrial designers, like anybody who, you know, knows how to sew is out there trying to make these both for hospitals. And, you know, I, I think if people need them at home, you know, there's a lot of communities and I'm just learning about them. So I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not in charge of all of these. <laughs> I'm just learning of them because it's it's great. What I did made people reach out to me and say, hey, have you seen this? And then I joined um, a large video conference on Saturday morning of all the different people that were doing the 3D printing and the making for the hospitals. And there was a woman on there who is part of one of these fab labs. I think it's the, the one that I was connected to is called Artisans Asylum. It's in Somerville, Mass. There's uh, lots of maker spaces. They're called, you know, all over the country that are trying to get involved, lot are, you know, connected to universities. And so I think there's a lot of people posting patterns. So I imagine you could even Google, you know, face mask, you know, sewn pattern, and you might get to some of these places. But I know there's a wiki with um, patterns on it that people can go to. And if they want, if they know how to sew or they get willing to cut up some material and, and do that. Um, what else? There's a group of people that are looking into and talking about gowns for, for the hospitals. It sounds like this is just this amazing time of all these people. You're mentioning people at universities, at hospitals, in makerspaces, labs, designers, all these different people just reaching as far as they can, just reaching out for connections within their network to get as many people in as many resources on board. Can you, do you have any thoughts and tips about just, you know, the the rest of us who are not designers, who are just your average everyday entrepreneurs, just people with life in general, any thoughts about, you know, how we can, how we can go about helping even more by reaching out to other people we know? I mean, was that, was that an easy decision for you to do that? Did you feel like, oh, gosh, everyone's got so much going on already. I don't want to burden them. Or have people been really receptive and open to like jumping in and supporting these causes? Yeah, I think it's been the 
this, everybody's just supportive. Like I haven't gone and searched out people. They, people are sending things to me that people are already doing. So I made, you know, public this idea around, Hey, people need to think about face shields. And next thing I know, everybody's sending me, this is happening. This is happening. <laughs> and then I've decided, well, you know, maybe I, all these people don't know that these other people are working on it so I can connect them. So if you're trying to get connected, it's, I have to think about that because there's just, a, there are definitely a lot of people, maybe call your local, you know, look up um, a local maker space in your community and see if they're working on this and say, you know, do, or do you need extra hands? Now, the, one of the biggest issues is we're supposed to be social distancing. And so that's going to be an issue. It's not like we can get a bunch of people together in a factory all next to each other, making things for hospitals in a clean environment. And so it's, it's, it's complex <laughs> to help, but for sure, if you know, if, uh, I think definitely if you know how to make things, if you know how to sew, there's there's a lot of people doing the fabric face masks that are washable. And um, I think hospitals are happy to, some hospitals that have the ability to sterilize those are happy to have them from what I understood from a conversation I had. So yeah. Uh, Excellent. You know, I think just start looking around and seeing you know, what's happening in your community, maybe. Very cool. So what else would you like to share with us, Stephanie? Again, major kudos to you, to all your colleagues, to your network, to all these people who are just rallying around around these solutions. Is there anything else you'd like to add and share with us? Um, yeah, I think it's just that there's there's just so much going on in this world, of, you know, involving ingenuity. One example is for the healthcare space, the, the one that I was talking about, you know, where people are trying to mass produce. I mean, I, I saw in this, this group email chain that was happening this weekend, there's a group out of Wisconsin, a design studio called Delve, and they created a, a design that looks, you know, it's very very, very similar to the ones that the doctors use today. And they worked with the University of Wisconsin Makerspace and they built a bunch and then they talked to hospitals and hospitals seemed to approve it. And then there's a menu, a group that does uh, cycle manufacturing and they're trying to get involved because they have a factory that's not open right now. How can they help? And so I think there's you know, it's a, it's a beautiful story of people coming together to try to do something, you know, and I think that's just really the, the word is, you know, try to educate people that they know that, you know, on what they need to know to protect themselves if a family member is ill. And, um, you know, if you have a talent and you know that it could be used in some way, you know, I think like, what about people with talents in social media? They could be using that skill to explain to people what PPE is and how they might want to try to have a plan at home to, to protect themselves with what they have. So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, all we can play your part with whatever you have, you, you know, whatever your talents and skills and network, you know, can be. Well, as a big advocate for makerspaces and somebody who's been involved in makerspaces, spaces for the last five or six years. I, I think this is a, a great opportunity, if nothing else, to uh, to get the word out about makerspaces and how uh, a lot of us can be doing a lot of this DIY thought and innovation and, and encouraging our children uh, to really start thinking about this because I think the future is going to be uh, less... Um, I don't want to say necessarily less large scale production, but I think solving our own problems and, and creating our own solutions for, for problems that we face personally, maybe not large scale problems. Um, it's, it's a great, even if we're not industrial designers, it's a great skill to have to be able to walk into a maker space or a fab lab um, or just using materials you have at home to solve your own problems. And I think uh, over the last couple 
decades, I think maybe a lot of us have moved away from that. We, we don't work on our cars as much anymore. We don't do necessarily our own home improvement projects anymore. We kind of farm a lot of that out. And I think this is a great opportunity with the, the tools we have today to start kind of transitioning back to being more resourceful and being able to, to solve our own, even if they're really small problems uh, on our own without necessarily relying on large scale manufacturing to solve those problems for us. So if nothing else, I think you, you hopefully are starting a, a trend that will not just help <laughs> during this crisis, um, but might help all of us moving forward into the future. Right. I, I would hope that, uh, you know, the power of creativity is, is, you know, what we're promoting in many ways. Awesome. Stephanie, Excellent. this, this has been absolutely amazing. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you for, for sharing your experience for anybody out there that wants to learn more about how and why check out our show notes for anybody out there that wants to learn more about, um, some of the links we talked about, uh, the Instagram hashtags that we talked about, some of the websites and the wiki that you mentioned, check out the show notes. We'll make sure everything is there. And, just thank you so much for everything you're doing for everybody and just rallying the community and rallying uh, all, all the people that, that you know in your industry to make a difference and to help all the rest of us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad we could get the word out. And, you know, I, I we do owe a, you know, a lot of thanks to everybody who's, you know, putting the extra effort in from healthcare workers to, you know, these designers that are, you know, trying to provide them with the equipment they need. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of really wonderful people putting big effort in to, to do the right thing. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, Stephanie. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. I'll tell you, there's a lot of not good news coming out these days, but when you hear a story like that and you meet somebody like Stephanie, it really, it gives you faith that everything is going to be okay. We're going to get through this and, uh, and it just makes you feel good. It really does. And, and truly, it's really wonderful thinking about the fact that we all have so many of our individual kind of like micro level issues going on right now, yet there are so many people that are happy to put all of those things aside, the regular issues, their work projects, and so on and so forth, and focus on the bigger picture, focus on people coming together to get through this together. And I think it's really inspiring. I think it's really noble and very commendable, and I'm so grateful that there are people out there like Stephanie doing things like this. So major thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Everybody, you hang in there. You have a wonderful week. She's Carol. I'm Jay. Now go check out hashtag DIY face shield today. Have a really good day, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Talk soon. Bye.